Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 39 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how do you do today? Uh, not bad, man. Having a pretty good day. Just kind of... Nice. Just kind of hanging, enjoying a fine a Miller Lite, a fine Dave? Pilsner beer. Can I be honest with you? I just cracked open a cold Miller Lite Pilsner beer myself. Did you? I well, did. Uh, cheers, bud. Cheers to you. Uh, yeah, I've really come around. I know we've talked about this before. I've really come around on on like chill beers, but but in general, but like Miller Lite specifically. It's pretty decent beer, you guys. Yeah, like it's like, not amazing, but it is cold, and it's definitely better than Coors. Like we agree yes. on that, right? Like Coors is not great. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, Miller uh, is Coors... definitely better. I think Miller is my my favorite giant brewery. Like the like of the big 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 ones, I think Miller is my favorite. Yes, I definitely prefer Miller to like Bud. But I will drink Genesee first. Anyways, that's none of that is relevant. I'm just, I just think it's fun that we're drinking the same beer. Yeah. Well, cheers, bud. <laughs> cheers to you. Anyway, what we are doing together, Dave, as well, is we are watching episode 39 of For Your Eyes Orange. Dave, we're getting weirdly far into this show. I say I weirdly kinda... because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we're 39 episodes into a show, right? This no, feels, I this... do kind of keep waiting for it to like really get started. Yeah, like, it still feels like the new one. It feels like we haven't been doing it for a year. Yeah, no, it's very strange. And well, and it's, which is weird. We've actually been doing it for more than a year, because we have had a, we've subbed it, just because of my crazy life. We've subbed in an unusual number of episodes for our standard stuff this year. Like, we wouldn't be done done, but we would definitely be a few weeks ahead of where we are. And it, again, it's still... Yeah, it still feels like the new show. Uh, it's going to be very weird when we're done with it, I think. Right. Uh, although I am looking forward to Car Ranger. Um, but Dave, we're not into Car Ranger yet. Because as I said, today we've got episode 39 of O-Ranger. It is called The Prince Dies in a Duel. So that sounds like a real bummer. Mm, uh, um, does it? Well, I was actually real excited about this episode. I guess we'll see. Um, but before we get into that, of course... Uh, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, is I. What Beth and I were sitting around the other day, and uh, we just like the babies were down, and we had a few minutes, and we're just kind of cruising around YouTube, and we find this video of old commercials from the '80s, like '80s and '90s commercials. And first of all, uh, it was pretty wild because I remembered like a surprising number of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, you wouldn't think like watching commercials was fun. It actually was kind of fun just because it was like weird and nostalgic. Also, watching the compressed time shift from like mid to late 80s into early to mid 90s is buck wild because the 90s were very, very strange. 
Like, very strange. Oh, yeah. Especially coming out of the eight. Like, guys, if you're not old enough to kind of... Only 90s kids will remember. And, like, it's just... It was very, very weird. Uh, Anyway, that's not what I actually wanted to talk about. Although, I do recommend that you go back and watch some old commercials. But it made me think about some other old stuff. And I was thinking about... The anime version of Grimm's Fairy Tales that was on Nickelodeon oh, when we yeah. were kids. I Gosh, I haven't seen that in a very long time, but in my recollection, it was very good. It is very good. So I went, and the thing I, one of the things I really liked about it was the theme song. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. I'm kind of on a tear today uh, about this sort of thing. But so I'm watching this you know, like I'm watching the intro to this uh, show, this anime. It's like, it's what it is, is it's Grimm's Fairy Tale. So it's European, but it's like in anime cartoons that are retelling those stories. So it's, you know, so it's anime. Right. So and I'm it's watching an Ameri- it. It's, so it's an American trans, like, sub or dub version. It's an American of import a of a Japanese show. That's based on European folktales. Yes. And so I'm watching this thing, and like the credits are rolling as the theme song is playing. And who is the executive producer of this show but Haim Saban? Oh. So, which, like, I had no idea that that's basically that, like, taking Japanese stuff and importing it for an American audience, like, that's just kind of this dude's thing, like, well before Power Rangers. Oh, dude. Haim Saban rolls deep on like tran- like bringing stuff over and translating it. See, I had no idea. I kind of oh, thought he was oh. like a television exec and was like, oh, he discovered Sentai somehow. He was but, originally uh, a this music is not a guy, fluke for actually. Him. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he was in the music industry. Uh, he There's an episode of some podcast that I don't remember what it was called. It's just like a long interview with him about like how he got around to... like how his career developed and how he got around to creating the Power Rangers. And Dude, like, it's one of those that would things. Be, side okay. note, if I may, mm-hmm. side note, that would be a fascinating podcast. I would listen to a podcast that was nothing but interviews with people who have very strange and very specific jobs. That is just a story of like, please tell me how you became this thing. Because, like, there's no degree or, or like, professional job training for, like, whatever the heck it is you are. So how did you end up as, like, a dynamite technician or whatever? That would Anyways, be interesting. please continue. Because there, there are shows like that, but the, sh- the people who are on those shows are not dynamite technicians. They are Haim Saban. You know, they're always, like, successful business people or creators. Right. I am know? no... I, yeah, I'm not interested in necessarily how successful you are. I'm really interested in the weirdness of your job. Uh, anyways, yeah. please continue. Oh, anyway, the, the interview with Time Saban is weird, of course, because like the whole time we just oh putting TM 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 over. TM TM. By the way, nobody sure. stole that idea. That's yeah, the whole time, document now. So the whole time, Time Saban is just putting himself over and like telling you what seemed like maybe are half truths, but like the, that it. is the official story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not going to get like the full and complete biography of Time Saban from this interview, but there is some interesting stuff in it, uh, and part of it is yeah, like. He had wanted to bring the Power Rangers over to America a few years before he actually ended up doing it. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, like, he, sh- like, I think this is something that gets talked about a lot more on, like, actual Power Ranger podcasts as opposed to Sentai ones. But, like, there was a, 
Like, he shopped that concept around for a while before it actually became... Like, like before 19- anybody bit on it? Yeah, like, before it was the thing that we know. And there's actually a pilot with most of the same actors in it. No kidding. That, like, never went to air, yeah. Wow, I would love to... I, it's got to be floating around the internet somewhere, right? I would oh, yeah, I'm sure that. you can find it. Yeah, so that's... Um, I don't know, like, our, our very brief history of Haim Saban. Uh, yeah. And, and also, if you can find that old um, oh, Grimace yeah. Fairy Tale let us show know, song, please. it was great. Uh, and, like, I mean, even, like, tell us about it, sure, but, like, if you can find it, just watch it. Like, I'm sure some of it's on YouTube. Um, anyway, Dave, what is our second star of the week? Yeah, so I'm watching... Actually, Mark, can you pull some of the audio for this just so we can hear... Like, not enough to get us sued by anybody... Just so that people can hear the kind of, like, the first opening beats of this. It's a very, very good theme song. It's extremely pleasant. So anyways, uh, whether you've heard this thing or not, like, it's just great. And that leads me into my second point. Or our second star, I guess. Theme songs from cartoons in, like, the 80s and 90s are bangers. And theme songs oh, yeah. from cartoons today suck real bad. Yeah. And I don't know okay, what the no, difference here's, here's is. Here's something... I only have one theory as to the difference. And actually, remember I said I was talking about commercials. Every mm-hmm. commercial in like the 80s and 90s all had jingles. Commer- and like, I don't, commercials don't really have jingles anymore. Like there's a backbeat or yeah. what, like there'll be a little music happening, but not an actual jingle. Aside from, like, McDonald's, right. I'm loving it, which hardly counts. Right. Like, I will, for my entire life, remember the commercial for the Skip It, because, I like, that song is just permanently yeah. lodged You know what other brain. song you remember that you don't remember you didn't remember? The jingle for the Whatchamacallit candy bar? You can hear it right now, can't you? Everybody who's our age can you hear know, it, I actually, I'm sure. I actually really? can't, Dave. No, I, I can't take a watch it. But it's only it, 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 no. Oh, yeah, there, no, it there it is. I think the only reason I couldn't immediately think of it is because my brain was then, uh, like, preloading the next thing I was going to say, which was the uh, the bubble tape commercials. Oh, yeah. It's the truth. Your principal can smile, can swim, can run, and can stand bubble tape. Your school bus driver can drive. Where's curlers? Makes funny noises. Won't try bubble tape. No way, Jose. Bubble tape. It's six feet of bubble gum for you, not them. Also, very, very weird. It's I just bubble saw tape it. Commercials are unsettling. <laughs> like deeply bothering. Okay, but anyways, so uh, dude, if okay, here's here here are three things I want to comment on this. First of all. I think that you're right that the old uh, 
cartoon theme songs are better. I don't think the old cartoons were better. I think cartoons have only gotten no, no, no. better with time. I, no, the cartoons themselves were not better. Yeah. Like, I like them because there is, like, an element sure. of nostalgia. But, but the theme songs were unequivocally Well, because I think it's, especially when we were kids, most cartoon shows were specifically designed to be toy commercials. So, like, the theme song and the, op- like, the animation for the opening sequence were of such a higher quality than everything else that happened in the episode. Like, exponentially better. Because that's better. what they really yeah. They needed, like, something really, really catchy. They made it one time. That got you hooked in. And then you were spending the next, like, six years of your life buying, like, the weird fourth-tier character action figures for the Ninja Turtles. Yes, that definitely did happen, especially characters that were never even on the show. But the nin- even the Ninja Turtles theme song is not, I feel, the high point. Like, dude, the Centurions theme song? In the near future, Doc Terror and his cyborg companion hacker unleash their forces to conquer Earth. Only one force can stop this evil, a handful of brave men. In specially created exobrains, they can be transported anywhere to fuse with incredible assault weapon systems being down from the space station sky vault becoming man and machine power extreme centurions was great actually do you know who like wrote and produced a lot of these like not a ton but a not an insignificant number of these theme songs I do not. Uh, you may be surprised to learn that it was Haim Saban. Ah, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, dude. Great. Like, Sab- Haim Saban and uh, Shuki Levy, who is a guy who worked extensively on the Power Rangers show as well. Um, like, they either wrote or, like, wrote and produced or whatever, like, a handful of very, like, songs that you know. Uh, let's see. They did the songs for Inspector Gadget. Okay. Uh, Here's... Mask. Did they? He Man really? and the Masters of the Universe. She Ra, okay. Princess of Power. Uh, they did what? Mask, show... I think, is the high point right there. But Inspector Gadget is also very good. That that mask song rules. They did something for a show called Jace and the Wheeled Warriors that I have never heard of. Never heard of that one. Uh, I do really also love the theme song for Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light. Knights of the That's Magical very, very good. Light. Yeah, the Transformers theme song also rules. Yeah, I mean, we we can just... I, like, I, we can just talk about all these, right. This but... is a dangerous well to fall down, especially when not all of our listeners are exactly our age. That's Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, but if you can't, like, just... If you don't believe me, just go back and... you Like, you can just hop on YouTube and just do a search, like, best 80s theme song cartoons or cartoon theme songs. And, uh, yeah, they're all straight bangers. They're amazing. Yeah. You should just, yeah, just go listen to them. Anyway, Dave, what is our third star of the week? So our third star of the week is another thing from the 80s, sort of, kind of. Uh, it's actually started in the late 80s and is and now has a new thing, is Cyberpunk 2077. I know I've talked about this game in the past. Yes, uh, but it still actually, hasn't come out, so we're still talking about it every once in a while. Right, yeah, and... Well, the thing I wanted to talk about just uh, recently is that CD Projekt Red has just released a 45-minute, like, gameplay trailer for this thing. What, now, Dave, it's not Dave, actually... hold on, hold on. You should have warned me that we were getting into Trailer Watch. Trailer, trailer Watch. watch. watch.
Do we have a song for that? We've definitely got a sting for it. Okay, good. I was going to say, what have you done to Mark? No, no, no. We have to stop putting this on him. No, he already made a trailer watch thing. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. So, so, trailer watch. Trailer watch. Yeah, so it's like a, but it is like a, it's like a 45 minute, this is an actual gameplay It's a long uh, time. Yeah, I did watch the whole thing. You could watch kind a, of a, most of a movie in that time, or at least half a movie. Like a half of a shortish movie. You could yeah, watch two it took episodes me like a of few, Brooklyn Nine Nine in that time. That's true. Uh, I did. It took me like a few lunch breaks because, like, you know, I, I I eat and then I watch something for a few minutes and then I just grade papers over my lunch. And so, it's first of all, it looks incredible, um, but it's also like it's very cool because this is. You know, they say, like, it's not done, and we have a few months left to, like, smooth some stuff out. But, yeah, it's 45 minutes of gameplay. Like, it's it's pretty polished. Um, so, so highlights of, of this game. First of all, obviously, like, visually, it's fantastic. Sure. it. I feel like they, they absolutely nailed the aesthetic of, of cyberpunk. Now, when you say they nailed the aesthetic of cyberpunk, I have... A very important clarifying question. Do you mean they nailed the aesthetic of, like, the idea of cyberpunk? Or do you mean that they have nailed the aesthetic of the beautifully conceived but almost unplayable tabletop role-playing game Artelsorian Cyberpunk 2020? So, here's what here's what I'll say. Is that, as you have said, the beautifully conceived and yet almost unplayable Artelsorian's tabletop RPG Cyberpunk 2020 is in fact set in 2020. This is Cyberpunk 2077. So it is set a number of years, uh, you know, in the future from that core setting. Okay. But I feel like they have done a great job of, of maintaining a level of, of uh, like purity, I think, to the source material. Well, at the same time, it's not just like a pure kind of 80s, like retro futurist nostalgia trip. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So like there are things that are like, oh yeah, like rad, that's totally cyberpunk. And like there are other things that are kind of updated, uh, you know, so that doesn't look like sort of visually goofy. Um, so the gameplay looks super amazing. Uh, one of the things that looks really incredible about it is the degree of freedom that you have. It's a really, really open world. And uh, you've got a bunch of different ways to like deal with all of your problems. It's even more open world than uh, Witcher 3, which is obviously like CD Projekt Red's last big thing. Um, it's, it's really just looks like open and fluid and you can kind of go anywhere you want and do anything you want. And, like, Bethesda, for real, CD Projekt Red is coming for your neck in no small way. Like, have they, are, are they eating their lunch a bit? Yeah, a little bit, dude. Um, well, hey, man, listen, if that means that I get to play another game like that, and I don't just always have to wait another four years for whatever the next either Elder Scrolls or Fallout game is, I will be thrilled. And I'm sure our listeners will also be thrilled, because that will mean that we won't have to do six different uh, entries in the five stars on Fallout 4. We can, like, pepper in some other stuff. 
Yeah, it'll be very exciting. So, anyways, like, I'm not going to walk through video this, games. this. Yeah, I'm not going to walk through this trailer in enormous detail. But, like, for real, uh, CD Projekt Red just crushes it real hard. I love have you played? <laughs> I mean, uh, dude, like, have you played Witcher 3 I have, yet? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to. I'll lend it to you. I still. Oh, that's right. I was going to give it to you, and then I was going to play the DLC, and then I never did because I have babies but anyway, yeah no no I'll, I'll give it to you you should play it what, what i love it's incredible is that you've been excited about cyberpunk uh 2020 or 2077 for so long that it is like a semi-regular feature on this podcast you've been into it for so long that you got into the idea of playing the game before you stopped playing video games and now you don't play video games anymore but you did spend 45 minutes watching a gameplay trailer of a game that you probably aren't going to buy because you don't play video games uh, well I have a I have a complicated relationship <laughs> with video games <laughs> this at this point that is what I'll say uh, actually speaking of what is our fourth star of the week Matt fourth star of the week is video games Dave uh, I still play cool, cool, cool. And, I got cool. The, and I got the new Tomb Raider um, and it's very oh, good. oh you were excited about that yeah Tomb Raider um, like there are some I feel like Tomb Raider's really turned a corner oh dude in- the the recent, what is now a trilogy of uh, Tomb Raider games made by Square Enix mm-hmm. are, like, unrecognizable from the earlier series. Like, seriously. It, like, it went from a game that I could not care less about to maybe, like, one of three series that I actually get excited to play. Wow. Like, I get excited to play whatever the new, like, main Nintendo titles are. So, like, if there's a new Mario, if there's a new Zelda, if there's a new Metroid, like, I am into Yeah, 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 of course. Um, if there's a new Mario Kart, you know I'm going to get down. Um, but other than that, like, the game series that I really get excited about playing, and listen, sometimes I am disappointed by them uh, in both gameplay and narrative senses, but the two that I get really excited about now are Far Cry and Tomb Raider, and that's kind of it. Um, and, like, I'm only a few hours into this new one, uh, but it's, like, it is, at least so far, extremely good and fun, and the puzzles are great and, like, just tough enough to, like, they're not so difficult that you feel like the game is punishing you, but they are difficult enough that you feel, like, clever and accomplished when you finish them. I feel like there's really the cutoff for any puzzle, like, even a jigsaw puzzle, like, it's meant to be solved. You're supposed to be able to solve it. Yeah, like, but these games just do a very good job of making you, the player, feel like you are very good at what you're doing and making the main character seem like she is, like, a... Like, you know, like, no one else can really be doing what she's doing. Like, it's it feels, like, cool and special, especially since this is, like, the third game in that series and she's, like, kind of gotten to that point... Uh, in the progression, and like, I don't know, if you like Tomb Raider games, play the new one. It's a new Tomb Raider game. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of all I've nice. been doing today. Uh, yeah, no, no, not, no. That this isn't super, like super a really bad. thrilling star, I'm going to be honest, but it's the other, like, the things I've done today are uh, not get around to watching Hell in a Cell, play Tomb Raider, and record this podcast, so we have to talk about Tomb Raider, because that's all I got. <laughs> so, um, no, that sounds that sounds super, super cool. Uh, what, Matt, is our fifth star of the week? Fifth star of the week, Dave, is uh, the the slow progression of time, time, time. Um, we have been doing this podcast for over four years now. Uh, yeah, chronologically, yes. Yes. Um, I mean, that's Those are the years I'm talking about. 
the chronological ones. Um, well, as opposed to like years of the show or whatever. Yes, we have, we have not finished our fourth season, but we have uh, been doing it for more than four years. Uh, here's why that's significant, Dave. We got headphones when we started doing this, like recording headphones that go over your ears and have like mm-hmm. soft, plushy bits around the outside. Uh, cans, Matt, is the oh, yeah, is get, the industry term. We got some sick cans. If, yeah, I was gonna say if you could be at least like vaguely professional about this. Anyway, um, and we have now been doing the show for so long that mine are starting to disintegrate. Superhawks. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a bummer. Um, now here's the way in which they are disintegrating. Dave, I am trying to tell you something. <laughs> Stop singing the Silverhawk song. Sorry, I swear yeah, this is the not the first time we've had to have this conversation specifically <laughs> about the Silverhawks theme song. <laughs> okay, I understand that. But have you listened to that song recently? It's very, very good. It's extremely anyway. good, but it cannot be pleasant for our listeners to listen to me try to say a thing while you kind of sing Silverhawks. <laughs> Anyways, so tell me about your dying headphones. Sorry, cans. Tell me about your cans. Anyway, the way that they're falling apart is that there is like a, like sort of a black, like coating on the plushy bit that covers the ear. Yeah, so that sort of like rubbery, plasticky. Yeah, right, yeah. and that is starting to like disintegrate and flake off. And since it's still hot out, uh, anytime I sit down to record. Like, I am sweaty, which means that when I take these things off of my head, I just have, like, bits of headphones stuck to my ears and neck. And, like, I... It's one of those things I desperately need to replace these because I think I managed to wash it all off because I, like, have to, like, wash my head after I do a uh, podcast now. I'm (laughs) I'm replacing these, like, within the week, probably. Um, But... Last week, I was at work, and someone was like, hey, Matt, you've got a little, like, I don't know, were you, like, painting or something in the house? You have just, like, black things on you, uh, like, at work, in a, like, at where I, like, do my job. So, that's, it's just a, a sign of the slow progression of time and the decay of all physical things. Dave, speaking of the death of physical things we are gonna watch episode 39 of Cherokee Sentai ah, nice. it is called the prince dies in a duel and we will be right back okay welcome back so we have finished watching episode 39 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger the prince dies in a duel uh and yeah it's pretty much what it says on the tin it is, yeah. It's a very, very good episode. Like, the pacing on this episode was fantastic. Like, we got to the end of it, and I didn't realize that we were already at the end of the episode. Like, I was just waiting for the next scene to start, and then I was like, that's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, so, really, I think I think a high point, but not as far as, like, a big story point, necessarily. Like, crazy things are happening. But I think as far as just an episode of television goes... A uh, pretty a uh, real high point for this series. I thought it was just like a really yeah. well paced, energetic episode. Um, and so also, let's... there are a lot of crazy story things happening in this one. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Like there are, there are very good story things happening. I guess I don't know. It's just what was wasn't what isn't what I was thinking about in that particular instant. Uh, so let's just get started. This yeah. is a. It felt like it was going to be a Shohei episode. It actually isn't. It just starts with him, and he is out. Boxing and jogging. And he's got like a towel around his neck and he's thrown some shadow punches. He's clearly, he is out, out for an exercise. Out for an yeah. exercise? Um, yep. 
Sure, he's out for an exercise. Yeah, man, why not? I didn't sleep a lot last night, so that's a thing. Um, and so he looks up into the sky, and he's sort of he's sort of talking to himself, and he says, "He's like, we haven't seen Baranoia recently." So however long it's been since the last episode, like clearly there's been like a minute. All right. Yeah. And and he says, I ha- we haven't seen Paranoia recently, but we know they're still there. So this is just a good time. Like I'm kind of staying loose. I'm staying limber. Yeah. And plus it's a good time for him not only to get in shape, but to like do some community stuff. So like he stops off at a grocery store where apparently he is friendly with the family who works it and he just has like a grocery store montage where he is helping people like bag their groceries and get all their stuff and then he slips back into his inner monologue during this montage he's like paranoia we will be ready for you but he slips and then he literally looks up into the sky and shakes his fist at the heavens <laughs> but he's still holding a bag with somebody's cucumbers in it and they have walked away because he forgot to give it to them so he has to like stop in the middle of his dramatic monologue and run after someone to give them their vegetables back it's very good this is an element i uh, i really dig about super sentai i really love the community element of it and i mean this is true of power rangers as well that they just know people around and you know like they stop up stop off at the coffee shop and they know the coffee shop guy and he's running by the greengrocer and like the rangers don't have necessarily uh jobs as like as so like they don't have day jobs like you know you're kind of on call all the time yeah, I mean, I guess for the O-Rangers, the same way as it is for the Jetman, like, their job is O-Ranger, right? Like, they are Yeah, 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 the right. Military. But, like, Shohei's got the time to stop off and, like, help this dude bag some groceries. Yeah. <laughs> little stand, I dig yeah, it. It's really nice. So, we go from there uh, to the moon, to a much less pleasant scene, which right. is... We, we're diving right into the heart of some messed up stuff here. So what is happening is that the royal, the imperial, they're not really royal, they're imperial. The imperial family is being assaulted by Barra soldiers. And what's happening is that Bomber the Great is making his move. Like this is, he's sort of, I guess, been laying groundwork for the last period of time. But like now he is, he's ready to go. Yeah. And and he is making his play for the throne. It's actually very good because this answers a question that I have had for the last two episodes, which is... Once Bomber the Great showed up and killed uh, Bacchus Wrath, why did he let Empress Hysteria and Bulldog live, right? Like, it's not like he's a good guy who refuses to, like, oh, no, like, I'm honorable and I'm not going to kill this woman and child. Like, no, man, Bomber the Great is definitely a stone-cold murderer, so why hasn't he murdered the rest of the Imperial family? And this episode actually gives us the reason. Incredibly, it does. And it turns out the reason is so that he can basically solidify the legitimacy of his claim to the throne. Yeah. So he comes out, which is such a weird, like, that's just such a weird element to have included that, like, he didn't just take over, that, like, they deal with the concept of there being rules of imperial succession. In their imaginary robot space empire. Right. It gets into like courtly intrigue stuff. 
Be- okay, so what actually happens is that Bomber the Great comes out and Ancha and Coach are back on his side, which uh, I'm going to mention every time those two jerks switch sides because it's hilarious every time to me. Um, so Bomber the Great like kind of comments, summons Ancha and Kocha, and who he refers to as Little Kocha, which I dig. And he says, like, okay, read the Constitution because apparently there's a Constitution. And he opens it up and it's the size of like a greeting card. It's apparently a very short Constitution. This might literally be the only thing in it. Well, it says it's this, like, I think it says it's the second or third amendment of their constitution. Oh, so maybe this is just the little, like, if yeah. you go to, like, the Baranoia Independence Hall, they give you, right. like, a free copy like, of this is, the this Baranoia may- Constitution and Amendments. This is maybe not even the full Baranoia Constitution. This is maybe just the Baranoia Bill of Rights. Yeah, that would make sense. Although, so- actually, I think prop-wise, this is the exact same thing that Acha and Kocha had in the first episode when they were reading the announcement from Bacchus Wrath. Uh, listen, man, I remember a very early episode of Power Rangers where Bulk and Skull used a remote control that, if you paused it, was very definitely made out of Legos. So, oh, yeah. if these folks made an actual metal prop with, like, gear letters on it, you go ahead and use that more as many times as you want. <laughs> So what they say is that if the emperor, this is in the constitution, that if the emperor dies, they have a hundred days to name a successor. And if a clear successor has not been named, which I guess hasn't been because Bomber the Great has made a claim for it. So like, if the claim, I'm, I'm extrapolating here, like they don't say all of this. If the claimants have not resolved this via some other means in the space of a hundred days, then they duel to the death and the winner becomes the new emperor. Yeah. So when Bomber the Great killed Bacchus Wrath, that was him sort of staking his claim to be the emperor. And I guess he could have just killed Empress Hysteria and Bulldown. And said he was the emperor, but that would have been sort of, you know, like it would have worked, but there probably would have been people within the Baranoia Empire that said, oh, like, you're not really the empire em- emperor, you emperor, just like, killed yeah. the royal family. And so he uh, kept imperial them alive. Family, thank you. He kept them alive for a hundred days so that he could trigger this like dual scenario, beat Bulldog, and then like legitimately take the throne. Yeah. Which is a real, like, kind of bravo. Yeah. Bomber the Great. Uh, so they, he, <laughs> so Hysteria's like, no, that's crazy. And he basically is like, shut up, it's the rules. And he just Sparta quicks Queen, Queen Hysteria. And he then challenges a child to a duel to the death, which Bulldog basically has no choice but to accept. He doesn't really accept so much as does manage to hold on to a sword while Bomber, while this adult robot kills him. Right. Like, which is Bomber what happens. Great just throws a rapier at him and it's like, okay, it's time. Oh, yeah. They do duel with rapiers, by the way. I mean, that is that is one of the two classic duel types. There's either rapier, rapiers or pistols at dawn. I'm just saying they don't have like robo rapiers. Like these, these are very definitely just like prop rapiers from from like a stage combat thing. Oh yeah. Uh and Bomber the Great just proceeds to murder Prince Boldo in a very brutal fashion. 
Yeah, it does not take him very... Like, I mean, Bulldog is a child. Just think about how long it would take you to beat a child in a fight. Right, like he's a child with eye lasers. that's about how long it takes. He's a child with eye lasers. And you might think, oh, he's not supposed to use those eye lasers. It's a duel. But it's at the end of this duel, Bomber the Great does turn into a missile and shoot himself at Bulldog to blow him into pieces. And when I say blow him into pieces... I mean that he destroys his body, his disembodied head flies across the room, lands next to his mother, his mother picks up the head, and then, this is actually very similar to what, what happened with G2 and Jetman. We oh, see, yeah. We watch Prince Bulldont die from inside his own eyes, which is, like, listen, I know that we hate this terrible child, but this is still extremely rough. It is, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot that's happening. Now, I did think for a moment, and I'm going to guess that this is probably going to end up being the case. Bulldog is a robot. So. Right. And we will actually get by the end of this episode, like the groundwork for the idea that just because he is only a disembodied head that has been shut down, that does not mean he is gone forever. Yeah. Like you can just, you can just fix him. Like it's okay. But he is very definitely a child that has been murdered. So that's not great. Uh, so anyways. Oh, he also does curse Bulldog, or I'm sorry, Bulldog curses uh, Bomber the Great with his dying breath. Like, well, that's as, a good one. If yeah. you're going to curse somebody, yeah, like that's a real, that's, as, some, that's some powerful hexen. As, as dying uh, breaths go, he got a good one. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is that Bomber the Great has strapped Empress Hysteria to a rocket with the head of Bulldog and said, I'm not going to be so ungentlemanly as to kill you. However, I will send you to the edge of the universe so you can mourn your son, I guess, for eternity by yourself again at the edge of the universe. Right. Bomber the Great kicks this rocket and that starts it and then he launches her from the moon yeah this like Bobby the Great goes into some Game of Thrones stuff on this episode and I've never watched Game of Thrones so I'm having to assume this from some context cues from what I've talked uh, to people no I stopped watching a few seasons ago because it made me feel bad about um everything everything sure but I mean in Game of Thrones would it be out of place for yeah no 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 that to would be totally kill the king kill the prince, cut off the prince's head, strap it to the queen, and then send her off into, like, an irretrievable exile. I think that actually does happen. That's, <laughs> that happens in, like, season four, maybe. Um, so, so, so he then has, like, a microphone. He's addressing the rest of Baranoi, and he's got this... I don't know why he has a microphone. He's got a microphone. And then, in a very odd moment, Anja and Kojo sort of sneak in front of him and take the microphone from him, but not to speak, just to, like, hold it up for him as, like, a living mic stand so that he can just start gesturing to the crowd. There's and some he says, more stuff kind of like this later in the episode, and I do love it. So he says... uh, He's like, everything's going to be great. Like, we're going to conquer Earth. And then that's over. And then Ach and Coaches say, boss, uh, we love you. We love everything you're doing. Obviously, Bomber the Great forever. Bomber but... the Great forever. We're 100% on your team. Always have been from the beginning. But, 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 don't want to be a downer. But 
O-Ranger is still on Earth, and we have not managed to beat them yet. So, what's the plan? And Bomber the Great is not troubled by this at all, because Bomber the Great hat, like, actually does have a plan. And he pulls, he opens up a little box and pulls out this thing, and it's like, okay, we are going to beat them with this like dog statue and it's like the statues of like the lucky cat with the arm that's up that moves back and forth you know the ones yeah well yes i do they refer to it as a beckoning dog so i assume that that thing is a beckoning cat yes it is which that, makes that sense because it's like of, waving at you it is that is one of the ways in which that uh cat statue is referred to oh okay see i did not know that i so only know it because i googled kinda, it while i was watching this episode Hey, thank you. Um, so he says, he's like, I'm going to send this thing to Earth. You're going to see what the plan is. So then we obviously go to Earth and we see this Barker and it's Acha and Kocha in human form. And uh, I did not realize that the voice actor that does Acha is real old because we see him in this, like we see him. Is this, and, is uh, this actor the guy who does the voice for Acha? I, okay, how to say, I didn't look it up. It just very clearly sounded like him, and then the dude was talking, and then he turned into Ach. I assume it's not the suit actor, but I assume it is the same guy doing the voice acting. So he's, like, calling people around, and he says, I have I got a deal for you guys. You're not going to believe it. Check this thing out. And he opens up the box, and he's got this solid gold dog. And he says, this is not an ordinary golden beckoning dog. He says, if you stroke this dog gently and think I want to be rich, then you will become rich. And the people are like, how would this happen? Come on, man. Like, this is a stupid thing to tell me. You are dumb. This is a waste of my time. He says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. And he pulls out the dog and he pats it on the head and says, like, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. He puts the thing down and, like, little golden lasers come out of the dog's eyes. They zap a flower that is sitting on this table. And the flower turns into... Well, I mean, it turns into a prop that's been spray-painted gold. But in the world of the show, it has turned solid gold. Yes. And and, uh, and everybody flips out. Very yeah. reasonably so. And he says, I've got one of these things. I'll sell it to one of you for 500 yen. He says, that's, and yeah. so, he says there's only one... Like, you know, get it while it's hot. They, like, everyone starts grabbing for it. One lady, who is actually the the sort of wife-slash-mother character who was working at the grocery store earlier, manages to get it, gives them the 500 yen, and runs away while everyone else is sort of still in a big pile. And then yes. they, they realize that so, she's got it, and they start chasing her. Yeah, so she's flipping out. They're all flipping out. Run, 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 run. Turns out this is the greengrocer from the beginning of the episode. This is his wife. So she like whips around the corner, runs into the store, and is like, close the shutters, close the shutters. Because they've got those sort of like uh, metal front of store shutters. So their their bottom is basically like a little fort now. Uh, so she runs in, they close the shutters, and uh, Shoei's actually in there with them because, of course, he was helping with the groceries. So they shut the things, they run upstairs. And she says, you're never going to believe it. Like, this is insane. This dog will turn stuff into gold. And her husband obviously says, no, that's crazy. She says, no, check it out. 
I want to be rich, I want to be rich, I want to be rich. And I think it turns a pencil into gold. Yeah. And so then obviously the husband also freaks out because it's turning it's turning stuff into gold. Like that's incredible. And so they just start turning everything in their place to gold. Like they are immediately obsessed with this thing. Yeah, uh, and w- this is okay, it's something that I really dig because I mean, okay, obviously we're obviously we're operating in the fiction of the show. Sure. But if you wanted to be rich, you don't actually and you have like a semi-limitless supply of, of gold or an in, infinitely limitless supply of gold, you don't actually want to just like show up someplace with like 500 pounds of gold and try to sell it because it's going to do, like gold is a commodity. It's going to like do weird things to the market. What you would want right. is just like have a golden pencil and then you would sell that. And that, you know what I mean? Like that's what you would do. But they don't do that. Like they just flip out and they start turning everything in their house to gold. This right. will become relevant later on in the episode. So Shohei is in there, and he immediately thinks like, oh, this is a weird thing. I need to report this in. It's probably paranoia. So yeah, he, like, which, he hops this. on his communicator. He reports it to base. Everyone else starts to get out that way. Yes. So the rest of the Rangers, like, they arrive post-haste, and but of course the whole place is locked down. The Rangers show up and uh, they're like, everybody chill out. Like, we don't know what's going on. Everybody just needs to calm down. They are roundly ignored. Uh, Goro manages to, I think maybe show he's just like watching for them. He opens up the bottom of the of the thing. The Rangers slip in, but then other people start to get in as well. Um, it seems as though they were about to, to like overrun the place, but I think the Rangers kind of managed to hold them off. Yeah, like they kind of managed to like make a like a human barricade to keep the rest of the people sort of in the hallway as Goro and Shohei go in to look at this dog. Um and like they are all like, you know, just trying to get past because of course they are they have got the gold madness. Yes. Um so we go upstairs and we have seen that the mom and dad have turned basically everything in their house to gold. And I keep waiting for the Midas moment where, like, the kid gets turned into gold. And they do a pretty good job because I keep thinking it's about, I'm like, it's in my notes, like, four different times. Like, oh, and now is where the kid gets turned into gold. And then he doesn't. So they faked me out. So good for you guys. Yeah. I mean, they kind of Uh, faked you out for a while. Oh, yeah. No. Somebody eventually obviously does turn into gold. I just, I kept thinking it was about to happen and then it didn't happen right then. Yeah. So... They go upstairs. The parents have turned everything into gold. And the dog has gotten... We see the dog and it grows. Like, the dog gets larger. Yeah. And uh, they was like, listen, I'm not sure what's going on. But this is, like, this is really definitely a problem. Like, you need to give us this thing. Like, we don't need the money. That's not what we're saying. Like, this is obviously a paranoia plot. Dogs don't turn things into gold. Like, that's not a thing that happens. Right. But so the, the kid comes over. And the grocers are like, no, you're just trying to steal our riches. Like, we're yeah, the special we, people, not you. So, which I th- is basically what happens when you get a bunch of money. So, the kid comes over and he says, Mom and Dad, I can't believe this. You're being blinded by all of these riches. You need, like, the rangers are just here to help. We know that paranoia is very definitely a problem. Like, you need to... Like, stop being so crazy. Like, what is going on? So um, they kind of wrestle for the dog. And this is where I thought the kid was going to get turned into gold. He doesn't. Uh, But 
then there is then the people kind of get inside and there's just kind of a scrum basically uh-huh. for this golden dog and a dude that is not in the family like a dude gets it and starts running away and then he gets tackled and some other people are trying to get it and uh it just starts shooting the gold turning the gilding really the gilding beams everywhere yeah, so... Like, so, like, the vegetables are getting turned into gold. Everybody's excited. Like, the stand is getting turned into gold. There's, like, golden carrots and golden tomatoes. Yeah, and the, the, the grocer, the like, the husband-slash-father of the grocer family, he's like, oh, man, this apple has been turned into gold. And then immediately, the dog's eye lasers shoot one more time and hit the dad. And the dad turns into gold and just falls over backwards. Although, weirdly, his clothing does not turn gold. Yeah, I did get a really big kick out of the fact that they did not... Like, they didn't make a statue or anything. Yeah, they just (laughs) spray-painted this guy, put him back in his regular clothes, and pushed him over backwards. Um, And the lasers sort of go haywire, and the husband falls over, and the son runs over. It's like, oh my gosh, like, Dad... You're maybe dead now. I don't know. And his wife looks down and sees that he has been turned into a statue and fallen over. And she's like, oh, man, that's bad. See you later. Gotta go get this dog. Better go get this golden dog statue. I do definitely, definitely still need it. So people are like, they're running. They're chasing. They're trying to get this statue. Like, run, run, run. Chase, chase, chase. Uh, and, and, and as they're as doing this, this the, the dog is continuing to grow. Yeah. Now, it gets ridiculously large, and they are still able to carry it. I mean, it's... Okay. I mean, in the fiction of the show, it is solid gold. In the real world, it is a big, hollow, like, papier-mâché dog that has been spray Well, yeah, no, Matt. I mean, I'm aware that they did not, in fact, acquire a solid gold dog statue for the purposes of filming this episode. They just make it very large before, like, the people are are unable to carry it. Ah, that's magic. So, it's, sure, there you go, it's magic. And so, eventually, this thing, like, the rangers are trying to intercept it, they're failing. Uh, eventually, it's, it is too large. Like, at this point, it is the size of, like, I don't know, an SUV, I would say. Yeah, thereabouts. And then everybody is rubbing on it. And being like, mm, I want to be rich, I want to be rich, I want to be rich. And it so just it's gets, like, I don't know who who gets who gets the gold at that point if you're all rubbing it. But I don't know, man. I they, they, they have all gone gold mad. Like, yeah. this thing is just zapping things. It's turning park benches into gold. People are walking by and seeing that things are being turned into gold. And they're getting it out of the Oh, wait. We totally, there's, there's one we totally missed something. Yeah, there's one person who's not here, though. One person who's having a real difficult time making his way from the grocery store to the park, and that yeah. is our old buddy Shohei. Yeah, because his legs got golderized. Yeah, he got hit in the leg, and it didn't turn all of him gold. It just turned his legs gold. And Which so- I'm not sure why the dad got 100% golden, and then Shohei. Maybe it's it's the Choriki power Yeah, blocked it. There you go. So so the, the grocer's son is trying to like help Shohei prop himself up so Shohei can, like, limp his way over to the park so that he can help. But in the meantime, they are down a ranger, which means, of course, they can't, like, do their best moves. 
Yeah, and so it's everybody's flipping out. They've all got, as Matt says, the gold madness. And it is only now, like, where Goro realizes. He's like, ooh. Like, I knew that this was bad, but I suddenly realized, like, kind of how terrifying this power is. And then that, we saw it once before. It's like this weird video projector bird robot shows up. Uh Uh-huh. And it projects just like a screen into the sky. And Bomber the Great says, hey, it's me, Bomber the Great the First, like, because I'm the emperor now. I've taken over the Baranoia Empire. And my conquering of Earth, like, my conquest of Earth is going to look totally different. Because I'm not even going to fight you guys. I'm just going to let you... I'm gonna, let you, I'm gonna let you hoist yourselves by your own petard. Yeah, like this, as the saying goes, this dog is powered by human greed, which is the most powerful thing on earth. It will yeah. continue to turn everything gold until it has turned all of the food gold and it's turned all of the water gold, and you will all like starve and die of thirst. And that is how I will take over Earth, and I will take over yeah. a beautiful, pure golden planet with none of you jerks on it. And there was a really, which, you know, when you see everybody with this statue, like, BTG's kind of got a point. Uh, And there is a really great shot of people wandering around in, like, a small landscape that has been entirely painted in gold. And there's just, like, gold glitter shooting out of a faucet. Uh, It was a very good idea. So it is definitely, like, you know, it was very easy to call, but it is definitely a Midas plan. Oh, yeah. Now, what is very cool about the fact that Bomber the Great is being projected by one of these bird cameras is we cut to the, like, rooftop where Bomber the Great is broadcasting this from, and the way he is being filmed is that Acha and Kocha are holding another one of these bird cameras, but they're using it as, like, a camcorder. It's fantastic, and they're, like, right up in his face. Because what he's actually doing is filming a wrestling promotion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is definitely, like, cutting a sick promo on the O-Rangers and humanity. So, uh, the Rangers transform. I don't really know what their plan... I think they're just, like, defaulting. Like, well, this is bad, and so let's hench in. Well, I think the and then we'll figure the rest out later. This dog. Like, if they can manage to destroy the dog before it turns the whole world into gold, then they're set. Oh, yeah, no, of course. So, because, yeah, because they transform and then they just immediately summon the O-Blockers. Like, they don't attack this thing with their regular weapons. Right, but again, they can only summon four of them because uh, Shohei's not there. Yeah, so they summon the O-Blockers, they, they jump in them, and they go to punch the robot that doesn't work because the robot has a very powerful force field. And Bomber the Great laughs at them, and he's like, dude, were you not listening? This dog is powered by human greed. It's the most powerful force on Earth. Your pathetic robot punches are not going to be able to penetrate that force field. So they keep, like, they summon their weapons and they try to attack with their weapons. Like, that doesn't work. And then the dog starts shooting them with the beams and O-Blocker starts, the the Blocker Robos, sorry, start turning into gold. Right, but again, it's it's partially gold. And when they get turned into gold, they're, like, heavy and they're not... Like, you know, their parts are not designed to be gold, so they're kind of, like, dragging their gold legs around and not really able to lift their gold arms properly. Yeah. Oh, we are, period. This is being interspersed, by the way, with shots of Shohei sort of, like, dragging himself towards towards the fight. Yes. So we go from there to Empress Hysteria, okay. who's still on this rocket, clutching heck, the head of her son. Heck yes. Let's talk about this. So... She, all of a sudden, 
hears telepathically the voice of what is clearly Bacchus Wrath, but she does not recognize it for some reason. Yeah. And it's and it's just saying like, Emperor's hysteria. And she's like, what's going on? What's going on? And then a tractor beam hits her from a planet that she's flying by and pulls her back to the planet. It's not totally clear what planet it is. Yeah, it's not Earth and it's not the moon. It is another yeah. planet. So the rocket's sort of like, it's a rough landing because it's like landing via tractor beam. So she goes over, she picks up the head of, of Bulldone and just sort of wanders into a cave. Like Wait. she doesn't know where she is, but she's kind of following the sound of this voice. Yeah, because the, the voice continues to repeat like, hysteria. It sounds exactly like that. Yeah. So exactly she finds a, like that. Yeah. So she finds a secret room. Like she goes down these stairs and then a secret door opens and there's like this crazy lab. And in the lab, in a tank of bubbling green liquid, is the head of Emperor Bacchus Wrath. Yeah, dude, Bacchus Wrath got full on Zordoned. Like, he is a head in a tube summoning people to his secret science lab to help him with his problems. Yeah. So, like, that's the end of that. Like, we just, like, hey, what's up? Bacchus Wrath isn't totally dead, and then probably Bulldown isn't either for that same reason. Right. Like, if Bacchus Wrath can be a head in a tube, then since they still have Bulldown's head, they can probably he, save he him. he should be fine. Yeah, so then... And then we oh, goody, back goody. to Earth. They can save Bulldown. <laughs> Yeah, hooray. Uh, they f- we flip back to Earth, and Goro says, like, to think that human greed could cause, could cause this much suffering. Which, I mean, Goro, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, dude. Like, basically everything wrong with humanity can is boiled down to humans are very greedy. Yeah. And like, he- it doesn't cover 100% of the terrible things that we do, but it's got to be, like, a solid 95. Right. Money is not the root of all evils, but a love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice pull. So, uh, and then we just get another quick shot of Shohei trying to make it to the fight, and that's the end of this episode. Yeah. It, like, it ends with Bomber the Great being like, aha, Earth is mine. Screw you guys. <laughs> and that's basically it. Yeah. Um... Now, normally, of course, this is the end of the episode, and this is the time where we would talk about where the monster of the week falls on the creature royale. But um, they have not managed to destroy this beckoning dog of gold yet, so we can't really put it on the uh, creature royale. Now, are there any other, to sort of fill up this time, Dave, are there any other points that you want to make about this episode? Because I've got one. Uh, I can't think of anything. I thought it was a real, real good episode, but I sort of talked about that already. So yeah. Okay, I got a question for you, Dave. Hit me. So Bacchus Wrath really wants to conquer Earth because he's from Earth, and he like lost a war on Earth, and he got kicked out, and he had to go to space, and he spent like millions, like hundreds of millions of years rebuilding this entire like robot empire to come back and crush Earth, right? Y- yes, that is... Uh-huh. Okay, why does Bomber the Great want to destroy Earth? Like, just because? It doesn't seem that he has any motivation to continue the siege of Earth. Here's the only thing that I've got is that he is, obviously, he wants to be the Emperor of Baranoia. He is trying to cement his place. 
So maybe, you know, like Earth is the Sparta of planets, right? Like his predecessor couldn't beat it. And so if he's the one who beats it, everybody's like, oh man, Bomber the Great, not only is he the legit emperor, he is in fact even, like he is demonstrably better than Bacchus Raph. Yeah, okay. I mean, Sparta did definitely lose that war, but okay. Well, yes, I know. But like, I'm just, I'm not a classical historian, Matt. That's cool, man. I got some books I can lend you. They're very good and extremely I long. I believe you. I definitely do not have time to read them. <laughs> That's fair. That's that. This is what we're here for, man. We're here to prop up each other's strengths. Um, but I think, Dave, that is going to be the end of this episode of the Super Sentai Brothers. Unless you have any objections. Can't think of one off the top of my head. Okay. Well, I, I guess we've reached a quorum then. Uh, no, no objections being raised. That's going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're mentioning on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. That's going to direct new people towards the show, or so we have been led to believe. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com or wherever it is that you find your podcasts. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. <laughs>